Welcome back to Travolta. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering the Fanatic. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Stuart. Hang this on a, one second. I got to poo. Episode, yeah, so, so, we both have the same idea. This episode can't be too long. I got to poo. Okay. Copy that. Uh, hi, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Travolting. The final movie. The final movie. We are covering of John Travolta's career. Wow. Paradise City has not yet come out. So this is officially the last episode covering a movie. We have um, We'll have one more episode after this. And then some extra things after that, uh, which we'll go into detail on later. Um, but this is this is the final movie. This is it. Yeah. After you've seen this, we will, I'll, I'll have a hundred percent letterbox on John Travolta. Now, Jeff, would you say in the course of this um, project that we've become fans of Travolta? Yes, I've come to care deeply about this man, <laughs> about this man's career. And would you say, like, you know, we've watched every movie? Yes. He's been in, and. We talk about his personal life. We yes. talk about his professional life. You almost might say we've become fanatic fanatics about John Travolta. And that, folks... This this movie is actually just me going to John Travolta's house. <laughs> this is what would happen if I went to John Travolta's house. That This, folks, is how we're wrapping up the podcast. Yes, is with this movie. It's with uh, this movie called The Fanatic. Now, like, I just make it very clear for the audience. Like, I... I I had no intention of ending the podcast on a note like this. <laughs> uh, I wish I didn't have yeah. to. Uh, but unfortunately, unless a Paradise City is going to come out soon and unless it's going to be a masterpiece. Surprise release Paradise City. And it's a masterpiece. Then we're kind of stuck on this note. Yeah, we- I want the audience to know every, t- every time we record this, I... Oh, my God. What? I have something to reveal to you in just a second. Oh, this is God. this literally just dropped. This Je- news. Are you doing more research? No, this is this is news that just dropped. I give me one second. Oh, okay. First and foremost, every time we do this podcast, I Google the words Paradise City Travolta to see if there's been any news. And there's not as of today. Is there any word of an on, of attached director? Oh, Chuck Russell directed it. Same guy who did the um God, what's the movie? Uh the I Am Wrath. I Am Wrath, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Mask. All so that. there's no hope for it to be any good. It'll be better than your average. Like It'll be better than this. A real director did it. But Stuart, do you want to know what news I just discovered? Sure. All right. Headline, Deadline.com. John Travolta, Stephen Dorff action thriller, American Metal, picked up by Saban Films. Writer and first-time feature director Nicholas Maggio's film tells the story of a desperate and struggling family man who robs a pill mill. However, when the theft turns violent, he finds himself hunted by both the police and the Dixieland Mafia. Filming just wrapped in Georgia with Saban Films looking at a 2023 release. Oh my god, it never ends. (laughs) Stuart. It never ends. Do you know what this means? 
Another episode of Travolting, baby. <laughs> I'm adding it to the list. Oh, no. Here I go. It's going in. Woo! Oh, shit. Oh, shit. All right. Here we go. We Here we go. Two episodes. Episode 78, baby. It's going to be American Metal. Oh, my God. I'm trapped in my prison. <laughs> I'm never getting out. <laughs> Just okay. added it to the list, baby. I came here so excited from like, you know, it's almost felt like a graduation yeah. ceremony for me. It, it's still kind of will. This will just be well, su- this is gonna be the, summer school. Next episode's gonna be the graduation yes. ceremony. This episode feels like it's the last class for the bell rings yes. in a summer break. Yes. And next next episode's graduation. And then these are like when you graduate but you still have like one credit still to get. Yeah. That's gonna be uh Paradise City and it's American the fucking Metal. worst summer school. Yeah, summer school. Um, oh. It appears as though the com- Saban Films, which is making this American Metal film, is the same company that's making uh, Paradise City. Implying that they will release it at some point if they're spending more money on John Travolta. Oh my god. Uh, so The Fanatic. Yes. Uh, this is a movie that is released in 2019. Yes, it's a 2019 motion picture. It's it currently his the most... last of his three in 2019. Yes. Uh... It's quite a movie. It's quite a movie. We're going to get into it. Jeff, is there any context about it? There is a little bit there, of real-life context. There I will do be some big context for this movie. Yes. But first, I just want to say, like, for our what is ostensibly our final episode before our graduation... Uh, we were hoping we were going to be able to have a little more fun with this movie, and we will have some. However, this movie just, it's hard to laugh at this movie. Why is that, Jeff? It's a little cruel. It's a little too cruel. Yeah. And I think that cruelty comes in a big part from who directed it, which yeah. is how we'll get into the context corner. Okay, who directed it, Jeff? Uh, so this is a motion picture that was written and directed by Fred Durst. The, Fred uh, Durst? The lead singer for Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my god. Uh, this is a limp biscuit motion picture. Yes it is. Which is just ridiculous. Um it it, it it's apparently based on like a real life experience that Fred Durst had where like some uh psycho fan was following him. I don't think it got to quite the level of this movie. So does he identify with the Hunter Dunbar character then? Yes, the Hunter Dunbar character is ostensibly him. That's being very honest. But he kind of treats himself like shit. That's being very honest. Yes. Uh, Fred Durst, not the best reputation Mm-mm. of a man no. to exist in this world. Mm, correct. Yes. Um, he... Uh, let me, let me, you know, let's just do some quick Fred Durst context. Okay. Lead singer for Limp Biscuit. You know, um, he he has had multiple uh, settlements mm-hmm. um, over assaults. Uh, he is decent friends with Vladimir Putin. <laughs> he is banned from entering the country of Ukraine. Mm. Uh, and in 1999, he started a riot at a Woodstock 99. Wow. Uh, That's some context. Yes. Um, he, he also Trent Reznor has also called him like a piece of shit, which is just, you know, Trent Reznor rules. A lot of them. Am I making this up that he was in jail for some domestic shit? Um, I would have to look. I am not surprised. Um, yeah, he was arrested in 2007 for battery assault and reckless driving. Yeah. 
So this guy has a little bit of a rap sheet. Yes, he has a bit of a rap sheet. But uh, aside from that, he just generally has a reputation for being a bit of an ass. Um, and also Limp Biscuits, like it's Limp Biscuit, like yeah. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, like they they had their moment. They caused a riot. Great, wonderful. Uh, the culture has moved on from Limp Biscuit. It has, but it indeed. appears that Limp Biscuit has not moved on from the culture. Uh, <laughs> because in 2019, Fred Durst decided he wanted to direct a movie. Yes. Um, and then he so he wrote he wrote this script with Dave Beckerman, um, and he just you know started going around trying to get some funding for this. If I am right, I. So, did, when the opening, like, logos for this movie pop up... Which there are, like, seven of yeah, them. Yeah, there are, like, seven. There's one, I think it's called uh, Pretzel Fang. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Pretzel Fang. And, like, the logo pops on these are... Pretzel Fang! And, like, it's... Whoa! I was like, what? So, I think that might be Durst's company. Because that kind of sounds like, you know, a, a Limp Biscuit. A Limp Biscuit thing. Yeah. That would be like, Pretzel Fang! Yeah. Uh, so, I think that's his company. Uh, but did you see who else funded this movie? Who else funded? Did you see which logo popped up? Redbox Entertainment. Oh, yes, I did see that. Travolta has somehow gone downhill from MoviePass Entertainment funding his movies. And he ends his career being funded by Redbox. Redbox. We've been calling a lot of these movies Redbox movies because they're the movies you would find at Redbox. I was not anticipating an actual Redbox movie to wrap things up here. Uh, so uh, we we talked about the movie Pass Kerfuffle with Gotti. Yes. How, has Redbox done any other movies? I am checking right now. Let's see. Redbox Entertainment. They have funded ten movies. Ten. I have heard of two of them. Redbox Entertainment. I'm looking it up okay. right now. So do okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read them all for you. I'm gonna read off all the movies they funded. The Fanatic was the first one they ever funded. Oh. So it's The Fanatic, Running with the Devil, which is a Nicolas Cage, Lawrence Fishburne movie, The Lost Husband, which does not have a Wikipedia page, Becky, uh, which I have not heard of, Chick Fight, which I also haven't heard of, but it stars Alec Baldwin. Um, Odd. And then they also did, here's the other movie I've heard of, Capone. They did Capone? They funded Capone, the Tom Hardy, Josh Trank biopic of Capone, where he spends the whole movie... Sitting on his deck and like farting and looking and at a shitting. looking at a statue of a penis. Yes. Um, Capone. Then he did the Informer, which I haven't heard of. Uh, Shadow in the Cloud, a movie. SAS Red Notice, and American Trader: The Trial of Axis Sally, which sounds like quite a movie. Yeah. Mr. I, I mean, the only one... American the... Podcast? The Trial of Axis Sally? Wait, what? What if we did a whole podcast about this movie? About what movie? American Trader, The Trial of Axis Sally. What What, what would we talk about? This movie. Because I'm just now discovering this movie exists, and Al Pacino is on the poster with a wild wig. Look at this. Oh, my God. <laughs> We will not actually cover this. We will movie. never cover this movie. Um, but yeah, that those are the ten movies funded by Redbox Entertainment. Okay, uh, none of them. None of them are good. Yes, none of them are good. I mean, I I kind of like Capone. It's not a great movie, but I, don't I kind of it, like. To Capone. be honest, I don't think I finished it. You don't think you finished it? I don't think I finished it. I mean, it's kind of funny. I enjoyed it. 
Uh, okay. Uh, I, I only made it to the first shitting scene. I turned it off. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. It was great. I was very excited. I mean, Tom Hardy can do better. Tom Hardy could do worse. What's worse than Capone for Tom Hardy? No, I'm saying like, Bane? Cap- I'm saying Capone's not the bottom of the barrel. Well, tell me what's his worst. Oh, I can tell you what. What's Tom Hardy's worst? I'm going to bring up Tom Hardy and I'm going to tell you. You're going to tell me what Tom Hardy's worst is. That's not Capone. Yeah. Sure. He has some, but like notable ones. Hmm. Let me see. Because Capone's a notable hit, hit miss. What has he recently done? Because huh? you don't talk shit about Venom, let there be carnage, Eddie Brock. I, I do like Venom. Oh, my God. I, Tom Hardy's actually had a, like, recently, his lineup has just been Hit after hooking. hit after hit. Yeah, exactly. He does weird TV shows, though. Um, Pretty much since, uh, Matt, I wouldn't say Mad Max Fury Road or Dark Knight Rises. Oh, uh, then again, there was... Nah, never mind. I take it back. Inception. Yeah, even Incep- Bronson it, before that. Yeah, true. Okay, so I take it back. Tom Hardy... Ha- like the, Capone actually might be the worst thing he's done recently, but What's I still What's this like movie it. called Flood, where he plays a character named Zack? Flood? It came out in 2007. Uh, this is a poster. Oh, that only on Ion. Which means you know it's going to be good. Yes. Um... All right, well, I'm going to get off the Tom Hardy train because I, I think I have been proven wrong and the Capone is actually the worst he can do. Um, So, Travolta's had worse yes. than this movie. Worse in what way? Performances. Okay, yes, he's had worse performances than this movie. Yeah. I don't... Not quite sure how many worse movies. Yeah, this is uh, this a is bad very movie. bottom of the barrel for me. It, it is very bottom and, of the barrel and, for me, and it, it, something that I want to say too before we get into it. It's like I w- I thought of this movie as something that'd be fun to make fun of. Yes, I which we 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 talked about like it's just cruel. Right. It's not. It's yes. actually just bad and, and it's boring and it's cruel. Yes. And I I I did I it didn't really sit well with me watching this movie of like yeah. okay I can't watch this for like the entertainment of making fun yeah. of it I was just uncomfortable watching this movie. yeah me too and not in the way that a movie wants you to be uncomfortable because the movie wants you to be uncomfortable it's trying to evoke that feeling but it accomplishes it in the wrong way yeah um like this movie wants you to like this is trying to be like a taxi driver movie it's trying to be taxi driver yeah let's just say. This, I said... And Forrest Gump. Yes. <laughs> this movie's trying to be Taxi Driver. Um, and I said, I texted someone, I was like, this is the bad version of Joker. And I want to emphasize, I don't like Joker. Really? This is the bad version of a movie I don't like. You don't like Joker? I do not like Joker. Why don't you like Joker? It's a bad movie. Um, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why is it a bad movie? I love it texturally. I love how it looks. Yeah. I love how it sounds. And the performances are good. But? I have no idea what it's trying to do textually. I think it's very silly that this big, bold reimagining of the Joker boils down to he's sad he's not Batman's brother. Huh. That is very silly. The whole movie is just over the top for me. Like, it's like, what if we picked... The Joker. Instead of giving him like inciting moments, every single worst possible thing ever happens to this man. This mentally challenged man. And we end the movie being like, when you push the mentally challenged too far, they're going to start killing people. 
And then, like, he jumps on top of a car and, like, gives the Nixon or whatever he does. I watched it again a few weeks ago for another podcast that I listened to. Um, yeah. And I was just like, the whole time I just was like, this is so boring. Interesting. Yeah. I guess I have to rewatch it. It just doesn't work for me. I I don't, I don't, it's not like my favorite movie, but I will, like, to your credit, like, I will say, like, I liked how the way it was shot. Yeah. It looks very nice. Performances are great. Mm. But I, and, you know, the parts where the, they were uh, Todd Phillips. Yeah, Todd Phillips. The parts where Todd Phillips wanted you to be suspenseful were suspenseful. The yeah. parts that you wanted to, like, you for, I, I could have done without the whole uh, Charles Wayne yeah, like thing. It, and I, it. The Batman teasing. My thing. thing with Todd Phillips is that he's technically like a proficient filmmaker. Like he like in terms of you just taking like how you make a movie, Joker is made well. Yeah. The hangover movies, for their faults, are made well. They accomplish their goals. Or they accomplish their goals with like the filmmaking craft of it. Yeah. Um most of the stuff he does is proficient enough, at least. Yeah. But when I don't think he has any idea how to really like craft themes or tone or have control of that because Joker is all over the place in what it's trying to do and say because like he's trying it's basically just a remake of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy you know like Scorsese movies but where Scorsese has a very clear like satirical bite with those movies Todd Phillips never quite figures out what the movie's trying to say to you and so you, you spend the whole thing like which is the same problem that the fanatic has but the fanatic never figures out whose side it's on, which is also what Joker doesn't figure out. Because Taxi Driver is a movie where it's like you're watching this guy's descent into madness. You're watching Travis Bickle just like lose his shit and start hating society. And then at the end, he starts murdering people, but he becomes a hero off of it by accident. And the movie is like it's a satire of both that kind of person and of the society that will take a guy like that. And make him a hero without like just figuring out who he is, just because he did this one thing. Don't you think the Joker is actually trying to make that statement through mob mentality of the idolatry of Joker, though? That it's like that one person with this who's like mentally unstable can do something out of pure sheer instinct, killing those guys on the train, mm-hmm. which starts a whole movement. Isn't don't you think that's the commentary that Todd Phillips is trying to evoke with the that? The problem with Joker is it takes too much side on the people and never really has any problem with what the Joker's doing. I would argue though that I I, I almost thought that I was watching the movie and I was looking down on those people. That that I wasn't on the side of the of the mob that was but like here, eat the here's, rich. Here's my question for you. What? Let's say you are, like, you came into that movie with your own, like, political and personal beliefs. Sure. And I think that is the leap that the movie, like, if you go in with those ideas, you can think about that in the movie, but I don't think the movie's doing the work to get to that point. I think people who are coming in with ideas of, like, oh, well, the Joker's a bad guy because he's a bad guy. Now, imagine the Joker isn't, the Joker in that movie. Let's say it's just called like clown and not like the clown movie where the clown breaks in the house and kills somebody uh, or whatever. Or the movie. guy that puts on a clown suit and he yeah. can't take it off and he turns into a monster clown. Yes, like Good movie. Tusk. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like if that movie's just called clown and it's just about a clown, same movie, but you cut out the Wayne, like they're called the Blaines now. I don't know. Same movie. I think there's, it gets much worse reviews and people are just like, 
I don't know what this thing's trying to say. I think the fact that it's set with the Joker as the main character may, like does groundwork for you hmm. that the movie doesn't. Uh, because the fact that it's about the uh, Joker, you're like, okay, 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 he's a bad guy. He's the Joker. And the movie's I, like trying to humanize this bad guy. But at the end, it still wants you to think like, he's going to become the villain and Batman's going to have to beat him up. And you're like, okay, so how am I... What is the thought process? I here? only I halfway agree with you, but the only the halfway I don't uh, agree is I, I don't think it's the commentary on our opinions of the Joker. It's our commentary on the opinions of the mob that follow him. Yes, and and that's where and honestly I feel like uh, you could take away the Joker and turn the Waynes into the Blaines, and I and I agree. The halfway mm-hmm. I do agree is it doesn't have as much impact as other people would yeah. say, but I still see the messaging, the subtext of how somebody who had no intentions of starting a movement uh, doesn't act that gets interpreted as mm. something symbolic that latches on to people that are hungry mm. for something of that sort and commenting on how quickly people are to take some act of random violence and turn it into something mm. symbolic for their cause. But the problem with that becomes the movie kind of takes the side of the mob at the end. Do you think so? I think it, it does. Really? It is like the Joker, he was like, hey, this mob, it's having some good. The whole movie is like the rich are destroying the society. We need to rise up and stop them, mm. which I don't think is inherently a bad message. I just think the Joker's methods are perhaps not the best. Um, But I think the movie ends up taking the side of the mob at the end. Like the moment when Joker kills Robert De Niro, spoiler alert, a, a very checked out Robert De Niro. Yeah. Uh, he's he's good in the last scene, but the whole no, time. I agree. I agree. The whole time Robert De Niro's in I, that movie, like, I, I'm in a silly clown movie. What am I doing? Huh? I agree. He's like, I got to go back, back to the yeah, Irishman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no one has to uh, no one has to defend that. I agree. No. I, I love Robert De Niro, one of my favorite actors, but he is uh, a little checked out. Um, um, when he kills Robert De Niro. He kills Robert De Niro. The movie, like, it presents it as, like, this shocking moment. But I don't think anyone watching this movie is like, oh, no, not Robert De Niro. Because the whole time Robert De Niro's been making fun of this mentally challenged man. Yeah. And I, everything I've been saying about Joker is the exact same I'm going to bring us back to the fanatic. Okay, okay. So we can't go too far in this joke. That's fine, that's fine. I understand. Everything I've said is the exact same thing I'll say about the fanatic. Okay. The fanatic has no idea what it's trying to say or what side it's on. Agreed. And it takes, I think at the end, it takes sympathy with the wrong, like, people. Do you think if there were, like, a mob of movie fans that feel like they're being... uh, (laughs) That you feel like that they're being um, uh, mm-hmm. abused by a society of celebutards, yeah. as they're being called. Uh, that this one person yeah. with a mental Ill- illness is uh, sort of by sheer accident yeah. putting himself into these situations that, that is being interpreted as a symbolic mm-hmm. gesture for their cause. And at the end of the movie, when he accidentally, he doesn't do this. I'm making this up. Yeah. But in a hypothetical ending of this movie where he publicly kills Hunter Dunbar on yeah. the Walk of Fame and everybody cheers him on and he like does yeah. like the Joker smile yeah. thing and he's like does the peace sign and then he gets taken away behind bars. Do you think this movie would have been interpreted differently than it was? I think this movie 
has the concept to actually be a very good dark comedy. Yeah. I think this could have been a very good Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I just thought of something. I just yes, thought of something. Because it uh, might be on the track you're thinking of. The street performer shit. Yes. How everyone's like... Because it kind of follows that point at the end of the movie yeah. a little bit. We'll get to it when we talk about it. But imagine this. Because like, you know, street performers, how they dress up yeah. and shit and they do things. The execution's a street performance and people applaud. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Yes. People think it's just like a joke or the people think it's like a an act. Yes. But it's actually John Travolta's moose killing yeah. Hunter Dunbar on the street. That would have been good. I think if you take away the mental illness aspect of this movie, agreed, the movie works immediately better. I don't think a lot better, but it immediately I, works a little better. Well, I, I think there's a method. <sighs> there, there was something about like when I first heard about yeah. Moose having autism. Yeah, because I didn't know that on the surface level. By the way, yeah, I I just thought he was a crazy fan, yeah. but I didn't know he had autism. Uh, until I did like a little bit of pre-research on this movie before I watched it. And I figured, oh, he had autism. And I found that out because in the IMDb trivia page, yeah. it says John Travolta dedicated his performance for Moose. To his au- late autistic to son. To his late uh, son with autism, uh, Jet, who passed away in 2009. Nine. And so I thought, okay, so this, not only is he a crazy fan, but he also ha- he's also on the spectrum. Yeah. And I, that that didn't turn me off when I read that right yeah. away. Before I watched this movie, I should say. Before I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. When I heard that point of fact, I thought, oh, this could be used well in a way. And my thing is, like, if this movie is a satire, or not even a satire, just a movie about, like, what the celebrity worship can, like, breed violence or whatever, you're complicating that with the autism angle. Because instead of the movie being out, a guy who gets corrupted by celebrity worship into going crazy... It's about someone with autism who, like, finds a thing that he latches onto that grounds him in the world, and now we are punishing him for having that yeah. feeling. No, I 100% agree. And, and, I, and I don't know exactly how that spin with, you know, uh, with Moose having autism can work for exactly the yeah. plot. I'm just saying, like, at the onset, when I found that out before I watched this movie, it didn't turn me off yes. of it right away. I thought this could be yes, something utilized. There's an element where that could be, like... A part of this movie because it's not so much about the corruption of celebrity worship yeah. but so much what the corruption of seeing your fans as lesser yes that this than mo- people this movie needs to make one of the two characters more villainous there's even a line that was kind of set as a yeah. throwaway line but it was a line that could have been utilized as yeah. more of a theme which is we're jumping ahead a little bit but it's a scene where moose is being bullied by the other guys who were doing yeah. former stuff and he's like, I don't steal Todd. from people. I don't steal from people. It's like, they're not people, Moose. They're tourists. Yeah. And I thought there was that was a throwaway line. Yeah. There's no intention of bringing that back and making that any more than it is. But I, as I read that line, I just, you know, if you take that line away from the paper of the script, there's something you can use with that. Yeah. Whereas, like, it's not the celebrity worship corruption onto Moose. It's the, it's the Hunter Dunbar's character of... Of distorting his view of his fans as the lesser. Yes. And that's where I thought maybe the autism could have come into play. Yes. It doesn't make any difference of whether he has autism or not. And it, it, he would have treated somebody without autism yeah. probably as the same. And the, the, like, there's an idea there, but it requires Hunter Dunbar to be a much more villainous character for that to work. I don't even think so. I, I don't, I, I, mm-hmm. because the idea is like, 
even to some of the best yeah. kinds of people who work they're not even like the the, the you know the nepotism types yeah. that they're people who genuinely like worked hard went to acting school yeah. and got their first gig and had to work their way up if hunter dunbar was an above 40 year old woman mm-hmm. that changes some things with yeah. this story because it, still actively working Mm. because it it, i feel like in that sort of sense with the culture it proves that they are being kept in the industry by the merits of their skill and not by their looks or celebrity status yes so just i'm gonna put that what i just said on the shelf we're gonna Mm. put that aside and go back to this um hunter dunbar thing yes so should we go to the plot and go through it. Sure. I mean, I'm having a good time talking about yes. this. No, this this is a good conversation. But, well, remind me what you just said that I just disagree with just because I lost my train of thought. I think Hunter Dunbar needs to be more villainous. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So the, uh, let me just finish this point and yeah. we'll jump to the plot. Um, I don't necessarily agree only because I feel like it. I think even you can make something could be said for like even good people who fall, not really fall into, but rise into this celebrity status role mm-hmm. sort of in a consequence of you know their celebrity worship it it acts as like a drug in a way where it's like you know i i think of it so uh, i'm gonna pull up a a a comparison for because i just watched this show like three weeks ago but dope sick which is about the opioid crisis uh there's a character in it michael keaton who plays one of the small appalachian hometown doctors he's like the one he runs the one free clinic in this appalachian mining town and he's a good guy and they really do the work to prove that he really cares for the townspeople. He cares about their well-being. He like, uh, he was like the doctor who like delivered births for so many babies in this town. He has sort of attaches his uh, emotions to it. He has backstory and baggage that carries into why he cares so much about doing his job for this town. And then when the opioid crisis starts getting in and he gets sold by one of those Purdue Pharma's big like sales reps, and he starts prescribing it and he gets mm. some of his patients on it. And then he becomes... Um, so it's like the Breaking Bad thing. Breaking Bad thing. Like it's the Breaking Bad arc. Sure. I, I I guess I'm a little lost on the sleep, but like my only idea is like Michael, you know, the opioid crisis when he got introduced to yeah. this got turned into visually on screen. Yeah. A sickly looking sinister person who yeah. we could still see there was a good person once there. I think that could be said very similar to the celebrity worshiper thing Mm -hmm. that there was once a good person called Hunter Dunbar that became the person the way he is because of celebrity worship status. And by therefore distorted his view of his fans and Mm -hmm. sort of seeing him as a lesser and by consequence uh, externalized as abuse towards one particular more effect affectable. That's not a word more. uh, What's the word? likelihood to be affected uh, um i know what you mean you know what i mean yeah but on um, by this person yeah. who's on the spectrum and the thing for the movie sorry that, that was the huge biggest fucking rant but like yeah. that's that was yeah. that package that all into one my, yeah. major point that i wanted to make about that yeah and like the movie needs to because the movie doesn't really like we keep saying it doesn't pick a side and it's trying to be like who's the real bad guy here um and then it's like well, i don't know He's like, I, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I because mean, it it one because like it does, it presents empathy for both characters, and it has both characters act terribly, and then it just ends with they both like get punished. Yes, and it's like, well, 
I didn't want to watch a movie where a mentally challenged guy doesn't get help and then breaks into a house and then gets his eye stabbed out. That's just really upsetting to watch. And then the guy who does it all of a sudden has a come to Jesus moment yeah. where he feels bad about it, yeah. but then right afterwards gets arrested for a murder he didn't commit. Yeah. The ending of this movie is wild, and we, we will talk about that. Yeah. I think right before we hop into plot, just to tag on to that, yeah. like everything I just said about all that. Put it on the shelf, and we're going to come back to it. Well, everything I just said, it's you have to work for it. Yes. And this movie didn't. This movie not, puts none of the work in. Puts none of the work into it. Everything is so surface level yes. text. Yes. Everything is so surface level. Does none of that work. Mm. None of it. It just simplifies the, this is something like, it's so small, but like I always, you know, I, there, I, um, I watched a show atypical and like something about like, you know, addressing, um, you know, people who are on the spectrum is, you know, using people first terms mm-hmm. in terms of that. Like you don't say, Oh, that autistic guy. Yeah. You say that man with autism. You yeah. under you address that he's a person first. This movie is almost yes. the entire embodiment of the opposite of that. It's that the, it simplifies Moose into an autistic man. Yes. And that's it. There's nothing more you need to There's know. There's nothing about. more to this character. Yes. Okay. Shall we hop into the plot? Yes, let's hop into the plot. Okay. Um because I th- I think we will kind of the con- well everything we've just been talking about we will have specific scenes to talk about this. Did you think now. we'd have this much to talk about with this movie? <laughs> I thought we might. I, I think so too. Compared just to the last like three or four movies we've covered, Gotti aside. Because those movies at least know what they are in some well, Those respect. movies don't have anything interesting to them. Right. They were better movies than this. Not by a lot. But they were better movies than this. But there's nothing to them. Like, how? What, this what is, were we supposed to talk about with Trading Paint? Well, this is a bad movie for a reason. What were we supposed to be right. talking about with Trading Paint? I don't know. Stock cars? <laughs> well, like, th- again, like, this is a bad movie for a reason. Yes. Those were bad movies because they were bad movies. Mm-hmm. Like, the acting was bad. The cinematography was bad. Yeah. The production design was bad. The writing was bad. This has at least, like, the shell of a concept. Yeah. And I will say it's like, well, I don't know. I watched this in like a bright living room with all the windows open, so I couldn't tell how good the cinematography yeah. was. It seemed okay. It is shot by Conrad W. Hall. The son of... Conrad L. Hall? H. Yeah, Conrad Hall. L. No, this is W and his dad was L. His dad won a bunch of Oscars um, and shot like some size, like really influential movies. Uh, like, you know, uh, Cool Hand Luke, Butch Cassidy, all that fun stuff. Road to Perdition. I think Road to Perdition was his last movie. Mm. Uh, I think it kind of killed him working on that because of the hours and whatnot. Probably. Tragedy. Um, but Conrad W. Hall has not quite had a successful career. <laughs> We've actually worked with this guy before. He shot The Punisher. Really? Yeah. So it's not the first time we've seen his work. Well, the Punisher was just blah. But yeah. It, and this is just blah. It's fine. Yeah. It gets the job done. It's competent, but not like... There's, anything more there's no shot in this i could yeah, tell where you. you're like yeah it was great there's one minor blocking thing that yeah. i thought was cool which was moose in the closet yeah that was fun that was kind of fun but that yeah. wasn't like a cinematography thing mm-hmm. and so uh, this movie starts off and we're introduced we just get a title card on the screen that says like you are a fan without you i am nothing Hunter Dunbar. Hunter Dunbar. Who is Hunter Dunbar by this point of the movie? Nobody. Nobody. We have no idea who this is. Yeah. 
And then we get a bunch of static shots of like downtown LA near the Hollywood, near the Chinese theater and whatnot. There's some a voiceover. Get, yeah, it's weird. There's James weird... Gandolfini comes back from the grave. <laughs> and he's just like, LA, the city of bullshit is. Let me tell you something. Yeah. It's like, whoa. And yeah, he, he doesn't. Uh, no, Anna Golja. Yeah, Golja? Anna Golja playing Leah. Who I don't. I'm looking at her IMDb to try to give our audience any context. You may know her from Degrassi. Uh, Degrassi, okay. Uh, you may know her from nothing else. <laughs> what, just Degrassi? Well, this? like I'm looking through her IMDb and I don't see anything. Well, it, it's the same thing with a lot of these movies at this time. There's not really that many like substantial people in them. She's Canadian. Yeah, Good but she like sparingly. Does some voiceovers for this movie. Yes. She it has a very, it's, it very much feels like when they finished the movie, they're like, mm, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta throw pat, in some voiceovers. We gotta patch some holes here. We gotta there. throw in some voiceovers in here. Yeah. But Anna Golja play, playing, um, uh, Leah, uh, one of Moose's friends in this movie, which yes. if you can call her a friend, um, does like a voiceover about LA, the city of bullshitters, yeah, blah, like, blah, blah. This bullshit. movie will spit you out or whatever. So it will spit you out. But this guy, Moose, he's unbreakable. This movie is the anti-La La Land. Yeah. <laughs> and we get Moose. Okay. We got to no. no. jump to the side for a second. Are, are we jump, where are we jumping to, Jeff? We just got to talk to the audience. John Charles' character is named Moose in this. Moose. The movie never says why he's named Moose. No. There's one particularly intrepid uh, IMDb person <laughs> who has decided yes! to come up with a logic for this. Oh, my God. Because I guess they had nothing better to do. But um, his name is Moose, and it's not like a nickname. His name is Moose. Can I read? Yeah, can the, we I, read this IMDb? Okay. It's never revealed and is unclear why Moose's mother named him Moose. There are three possibilities. Moose may just be a nickname. Moose may have been named Moose by his mother because he is ugly, or Moose's mother is a moose lover and has simply decided to call her son Moose. I like to go with option number three, Jeff. <laughs> yes. I really think that uh, Moose's mother, who was who uh, Moosila, just like Moose, uh, just loved Moosin. Meet your mother food into one is his end. I mean, it's hard not to love Moose. Right. What's love not moose. to love about Moose? They're yeah. giant motherfuckers. Yes, they're big, chonky. They're big, chonky motherfuckers. Yes. Okay. I saw a moose once. I've never seen a moose. In Colorado. I went to... Big fucking moose. New England yeah. last summer. Yeah. Um, and we drove like three moose trails and we never saw one. Sad. All right. Um, so uh, so moose is apparently unbreakable. And we get like... The opening credits are with him driving around. In a LA, moped. On a moped. And he's wearing... I mean, like... You know, like... Again, it's not a compliment. It's just like... This movie just does everything they can to be like, look at him. He's a weirdo. Yeah. Like, that's all. Like, he wears, like, you know, button-down pattern shirts with plaid cargo shorts with, like, dad sneakers with high top. Look, look, look at this photo from him behind. Yes. That's the best way I can, like, <laughs> just go and, like, look up an image of him. He's got, like, a backpack on. The only thing that's missing is he doesn't wear his backpack hanging super low, touching yeah. his ass. It's the only thing that's missing. Uh, high top. Like, they just do everything they can to make him look weird. Uh, yes. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so he's he gets to a store, and that's where we meet. Um, that is where we meet one of the store guys. Yeah, we meet this guy who works at a store. Um, he's a friend of his. I think his name is Slim. Is it, no, it's not Slim. 
I lied. Um, what is this guy's name in the movie? Aaron. Aaron, I think. Maybe. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it matter. It really doesn't matter. But he shows up, and the first line of dialogue we ever get in this movie, spoken line of dialogue, yes. is, hang on one second. Yeah, I it's like, hey, I can't stay here too long. I got to poo. And John Charles just walks up, and he's like, oh, what do you got for me this week? Yeah. So this guy runs like a memorabilia store. Yeah, it's like a Hollywood memory store. Yeah, and John Travolta's moose is uh, a mega film buff who likes collecting film memorabilia, mm -hmm. getting autographs and stuff like that. You can see him on his phone a lot, taking selfies with stuff. Yes. Um, And we learned that Hunter Dunbar, which we find out very quickly is one of Moose's... He's his favorite actor. He's his favorite actor. He's his number one fan. He's seen all of his movies and TV shows. Is coming into the store for a book signing. Yes. Uh, so he's like, oh, I need him to sign something that's special and important. And he's like, well, I got something for... I got something. And he pulls out a vest, a leather vest, mm -hmm. with on the back of it, bedazzled... Is it Ross? Rico? Rico. Rico. And it's from a fake movie. Yes. Uh, called A Love Song for Bobby. No. Just, <laughs> it's just like Space Vamp. There's like Space Vampires and Ghost Train. Right. Yeah. Are two of the movies. It, that the, And it was the prop vest that uh, Hunter Dunbar wore in the yeah, movie. Yeah, wore in the movie. Yeah. His character. So he tries to buy it, but it, he doesn't have a lot of money, but he cuts him a deal. The store guy is like really nice to him. Mm. Like I feel, yeah. I feel like he is. He cuts him yeah. a deal, and he yeah. doesn't even make him pay he right away. It's a three hundred dollar jack. It's eight hundred dollars. Three hundred. Well, he it costs eight hundred dollars, but um, Moose only has three hundred dollars, and he says you can pay me three hundred dollars by the end of the year. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, like he cuts him a really good yeah. deal. So he grabs a jacket. He, he puts it on backwards. Why? Why and does he put it on like, backwards? It's ba because he's autistic. Because he's autistic. The movie Jeff. wants to remind. This is going to happen a lot in our description yeah. of this movie, and it's sad. But we are just we have to say it because yeah. that's what the filmmakers yeah. want you to think. It's like yeah, he's such he's such a simple guy, and it's like oh my god, oh my god, um, no nuance. Um, mm -mm. And then we get the first of many, this really weird thing this movie does. It interludes, like, sketch drawings. Yeah. Like, he walks out of the store, and then he's just hearing, like, a violin's playing or a fiddle or something. And you get, like, this, like, drawing that's giving Crayon drawing. Crayon drawing of this terrifying image of John Travolta wearing the Rico jacket with a big smile on his face. Jeff, can you say crayon? Crayon? Crown? Crayon. Crayola crowns. Crayon. Crayon? Crayon. 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 What? <laughs> what are you doing? Just like, does anybody ever pronounce crayon crayon? When you ask me to do it, yes. Crayon. Crayon. Yeah. It's a crown. It's, it's a crayon. I'm from fucking Philly. It's <laughs> um, okay. So he's driving... Uh, somewhere with his jacket, we get the interlude with the crayon. Yes. Uh, and then we get the apartment scene first, uh, where yes. we meet Leah. I think. Yes. Leah, who is like a photographer, who oh, because he says at the store, "I'm going to a party that Hunter Dunbar." Yes, that's tonight. right. And so we see him at his apartment getting ready. Like he's yes. putting on a shirt. It's the only shirt in the world. Um, and we see Leah. We get introduced to Leah in this scene, I yeah. believe. Leah can best be described as like a paparazzi photographer. Yeah, she's a paparazzo. And yeah, so she takes photos of celebrities doing dumb shit and sells it. Yes, and that's how she makes her living. Yeah. 
So great, great good for her. Um, um, but she's helping Moose break into this fucking party. Another, sorry, another character that could have had more utilization that yeah. was not used at all. Because that's another segment of Hollywood that could have in some way commentary in this plot. Yeah. But whatever, the we don't we not. don't care. We care about making fun of autistic people. Yes. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah. I guess it does get worse as this movie It goes does on. get worse. Um so uh Leah and Travolta have a dialogue scene. They're friends. Yeah, somehow they're friends. She cares about him. Cool. And he it's like his only friend in the world is her. But like what what I don't get anything about their relationship. Yeah. We don't get any context to it. Nothing. Yeah. And so she um she agrees to help him break into this party and like they literally launch him over a fence. Yeah. And he goes in to meet Hunter Dunbar. He sticks out it's like the a rap sort of... party for his new movie. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, he sticks out immediately. And he's walking around with a Rico vest. He's like, I need, I need to sign this. It's like, uh, is Hunter Dunbar here? And he talks to the bartender. It's like, he just kind of nods his shoulders. Like, can I get you anything? He's like, Oh, take a strawberry milkshake. It's like, uh, we only have like, I, get you a, I can have a soda. And he's like, uh, no, just a shake. And then he sees... Uh, her name is Amanda. Amanda. It's a random cast member from the movie. And he asks her about Hunter. Learns Hunter Dunbar is not here. Yeah. And he gets upset. Yeah. He's like, oh, no. Yeah. He gets upset. Security kicks him out of the yeah, place. Yeah, security removes him. And he blames it on Amanda or whatever. Yes. Um, and Leah's like, you can't, you can't do that. Like, I'm putting my job on the line for you. And it's yeah. like, why would she help him break into it? Oh, whatever. She does a lot of things like this. Yeah. Where she gives him the tools for his own destruction. Yes. And then. And then I was like, why would you do that? Why he would do that. Yeah. It's so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she knows that this guy is, has autism. Yeah. And she like deliberately keeps like provoking him into these situations. Yeah. Throughout the movie. Right. And like it's, it goes past the point of just being like trying to help your friend. Like right. do something that'll make him happy. It's like. It gets to the dangerous level by the end of this movie. Well, like, because there's nothing cute about giving, like, someone on the spectrum a city celebrity tracker for yeah. funsies. Yes. Oh, so just so you can see for fun where they live. But don't go there. Yeah. Wh- what? Yeah. I don't get it. Um, I think we have our first interlude to the Hunter Dunbar character. This is the book where signing? Where we meet him. Oh, wait, no. Do we meet him at the book signing or do we meet him before? You're right. We meet him. At the, it was the we meet him signing. at the book signing. Yeah. Uh, so Travolta the next night goes to the memorabilia store where there's the book signing, and he has the yeah. vest. Yeah. When he gets to the front, he's next in line. Um, Hunter Dunbar has to step out back into the alley to talk to his ex-wife, ex-wife. and there's an argument about him taking care of the kid tonight because yeah. his ex-wife's going on a date. Yeah. Moose comes out. Yeah, Moose comes out with the vest. And he's like, Mister Dunbar, can you sign my vest? Yeah. And. Dunbar's like, well, he's talking with his ex-wife, and he's like, hang on, buddy. You got to wait in line. Right. And then because he's so irritated with Moose, he calls off the whole signing for the night and leaves. Yeah. And he's like, I'll sign your face with my fist or yeah. whatever. Hunter Dunbar ends- does a lot of that in this movie. Yes. Played by? Devin Sawa. Who have we se- Where have we seen Devin he's Sawa? He's in Life on the Line. But do you know why he was cast in this movie? Why was he cast? He is the actor who portrays Stan in the music video for Eminem's Stan. Which is a movie about a crazed fan, or a music video about a crazed fan. I don't care. I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, "Stan" is actually a great song, but that's great. It's one of the great songs. Great. Um, 
But that's why he's casting this. Okay, so uh, uh, Devin Sawa, Hunter, Dun- Hunter Dunbar. Yeah. yeah, he threatens. He's aggro Moose. as hell. He is very aggro as hell. Yeah. Very alpha male-y. Um This is when he's I like wrote, one I, step away from like pissing on Moose yeah. in the street. I wrote in my notebook, cringe. This yes. is when I start really cringing. Yeah. Because like the the movie has an element of like I don't want to say cringe comedy, but like. Where it's like Travolta's like he's his character's on the spectrum, so he's like acting up and doing socially awkward things, and the movie just wants you to like watch them, yes, and laugh at them. Well, there's no commentary on. Yeah, them. there's no commentary. Just watching it happen. There's not commentary either way yeah. of the context. It's meaning not playing it anyway. It's not playing it as ha ha ha, but it's not playing it as oh no, this is a guy on the spectrum. Yeah. Like, like it's not playing it either way. It's just stating so it much there. of this movie is just like watching Scott's tots. Uh, from the office on repeat, like the, the really cringy episode of the office. Yeah. Um. But you know he gets he's upset. He gets very upset. We're then introduced to his his job, Moose's job. Yes. He's a street performer. Mm-hmm. He dresses up in a Captain Crunch ass outfit. <laughs> like it looks like Captain. It's Crunch. like a British guard or something. He looks straight up like Captain. It's Crunch. like Mary Poppins era British guard. Yes. Like pip and, pip cheerio kind of. And guy. he's just being like poppycock. Yeah. Poppy cook. And then he stands on the street and says, like, Hey, little boy, how are you doing today? And he says stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, he gets a few dollars in the picture over here and then. But he's constantly outshadowed by his, like... Competitors? Yeah. Um, the, the next guy... Oh, I don't know why he doesn't just move to another street. <laughs> well, it's Hollywood Boulevard, man. Or, that's fair. Um, so... Yes. We get Todd. Todd. And... Slim? And Slim. Yeah. And they show up and they're doing street performer stuff and they do this fake act where he like drives a nail through his nose. Yes. And like blood pours out everywhere. Um, It's like well performed because I didn't realize it was fake until like they announced that it was fake. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Mm. But they're also, Slim is also pickpocketing people on the sides. Yes. And so. Slim is played by James Paxton, the son of. Bill Paxton. The late Bill Paxton yes. who died shortly before this movie, yes. right? Uh, well, what year did he die? Well, I think Bill Paxton has to be in like 2016 or so. Yeah. Because his last movie, I think, was 2017 he passed away. So very shortly before this From movie. From a botched hot heart operation, which is just so sad. Yeah, very sad. 61, too young. Yes. Game over, man. Game over. Aliens is best role yes. he's ever been. In. Actually, the Terminator is his best role he's ever been. In. It's immediately suplexed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> um, Bill Paxton, great actor. Yes, sorely missed. Very, very missed. Do you think what? Honestly, if, Twister. You, he's really good in Twister. Already, have you Have you ever seen Ghosts of the Abyss? No. It's a James Cameron documentary about the Titanic. Is he do voiceover for it? Bill Paxton, like he's the main character. The idea is like James Cameron is going on a deep sea dive to the Titanic a few years after Titanic came out. Yeah. And Bill Paxton comes along just for like the ride. And so he can be the subject of this documentary. And the whole time he's just walking around like, ah, this is just, this is just, you know, I'm here on this. You were about to say this is yes, just Yes, you know fantastic. what I was about to say. He's <laughs> like, I'm here on this boat and I'm just thinking about all the souls that passed away in the Titanic. And it's like this whole thing. That's not a bad impression, by the way. Thank you. It's not um, terrible. It's not bad. But that's the whole thing. And so at the end of the documentary, they make the dive, like they go down to the Titanic, which puts them out of radio range from the boat. And so it's like, James, we, Bill Paxton stays on the boat. 
James Cameron goes down with his diving team. It's funny. James Cameron's like not a focus in this documentary. Yeah. He's like a background character, mm-hmm. even though he's the one who's funding it and making the movie and all that. Right. So every now and again, you just cut to him in a coffin. And you're like, oh, I forgot he was here. Um, it's like James Cameron, they go down there, like exploring the Titanic and whatnot. And there's all this drama with these little probes that they have and they get stuck in a hole in the wall and shit. Um, but they come back up to the boat and they get out. And Bill Paxton, and then Bill Paxton narration just comes over and he's like, as we explored the wreck of one great disaster, it brought thoughts to our minds, but we didn't realize what what the significance of today was. The sub comes up. James Cameron gets out of the submarine. Bill Paxton runs over. They have all these TVs on the back. He's like, you won't believe it. Biggest terrorist attack in U.S. history. Goes black. September 11th, 2001 no appears way. on the screen. What? <laughs> what? James Cameron was in the tit- was in the actual Titanic during 9/11. Wow. And like and like they pull up and then the, the documentary makes a shift. There's no like a surprise 9/11 one. I tell you I screamed. Um and it just turns into them being all like the rest of the documentary is very solemn. <laughs> They're all just like, yeah, we were exploring like this wreck of like where thousands of people died and then we come up and an equal tragedy has occurred almost a hundred years later. I don't know whether to laugh or to be like impressed. It's it's pretty nuts. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. To anyway. go back to what I was saying earlier, yes. I just I just remember Bill Paxton and Twister and how amazing he was in that movie. Yes. He's such a comforting figure. He is a very comforting figure. Yeah. God, what a good actor. Okay, so oh, I don't want to go back to talk about the fanatic Jeff. Ah! Can, I think we can probably we can probably speed through this. Thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, they pickpocket people. They do fake street performing acts, and they bully Moose. Um, Moose. And Moose doesn't stand up for himself. And there's a scene where they bully him again, but this time in yeah. a bathroom, and a fucking security guard shows up yes. who we're supposed to know about. Yeah, the security guard appears twice in the movie. And he's who constantly, is this guy? He's constantly encouraging Moose to stand up for himself. Well, and then he does at the end. Yeah, but he. Um, so then, it, after he does the street format, Moose goes back home and talks to Leah about yeah, the whole she, thing. She tells him about the Star app. Yeah, she tells him about the Star app, how you can track where celebrities live. And he's like, "You won't." He's like, "This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen." Ben Affleck. I've discovered Ben Affleck has two pools, and that James Franco is fifteen minutes away yeah. from me. He's practically my neighbor. Yeah, it's like cool. Um, if you look at the uh, the app, two of the uh, names there are Tyler Durden and Jack Torrance. Yeah, on the uh, the app, right. Ha ha ha! I'm just as done as you are. Yeah. Oh uh, shit! Can you believe it's the last movie we have to cover? Yes. <laughs> so he goes to to Hunter Dunbar's house. Um, and he just stands outside the gate, and Hunter Dunbar's pissed about it, obviously. And he like he says, "Here, give me a pen. I'll sign." He signs his shirt. But he like aggressively just marks like, his yeah, shirt. Yeah, like really. kind of punching. Yeah. Him. He's like, you're a loser. You're a stalker. He's like, I'm not a stalker. This is something that is going to come back. Yeah, they keep times. echoing this line. That he's not a stalker. Yes. But what are they trying to say with that, Jeff? He's not a stalker, clearly. But, like, they say it. Uh, he, to, sir, uh, sir. He's not a stalker. But, like. Uh, Stuart. <laughs> Jeff. Stuart. What? What? He's not a stalker. <laughs> okay. That's clearly the intent. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, after that. That this is the when there's a shift. Yes. With uh Moose. He's really upset, so he writes a letter. Yeah. And he goes back to Hunter Dunbar's house the next day. And he sneaks into his yard. Yes. And the maid who's upstairs sees him and like shoes him away. Yeah, and she comes down 
And he like is like, hey, uh, not yet, not yet, not yet. Oh, because there, there's two occurrences. Okay. This it's not that important. Okay, I, we yes. could probably blend these scenes together. Yes, she does shoo him away the first time, and she tells, and then she tells Hunter about it, and yes. then they kiss. Yeah, and she's like, "We can't do that anymore." And it's like implied that the reason he broke up with his wife is because he was sleeping, sleeping with, with the, the maid? maid. It's a celebrity thing, I guess. Cool, fine, whatever. Um, by the way, he has a son. He does have a son. <laughs> I'm just pulling that up because who we shan't talk about the, again. We shan't talk about that. His name's Danny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, um, he also, so after he talks to the maid about it, then he talks to his groundskeeper and he's like, Hey, have you seen a guy around? He's like, Oh no, sir. Like, and he's Latino cause stereotypes. Yes. Um, and he's like, Oh, it's raining today. I, I can't finish work. He's all right, go home. See, show Jen, Hunter Dunbar's yeah. a nice guy. And so now it's just him. the maid at home. The Hunter Dunbar's left and the, the groundskeeper. Cause left. this happens the same day. Yes. This and so Moose comes back <laughs> the same day. Moose comes back, which is a sentence I just said. Moose yeah. comes back, and he goes in and he leaves the note on the ground. And the maid comes out with like a baseball bat or something. It's like a duster thing, duster to like scare him. To like yeah. Well, him. she she picks up the note, and we see Moose clearly right behind her to a, like a comedic degree. Like yeah. how can she not see him? But then as she picks up a note, Moose is like, no, 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 don't read it, don't read it, don't read it. And then she's like, oh, my God. And she starts whacking him yeah. with the duster thing. It's like, oh, please stop, stop, stop. Yeah. And eventually he pushes her. He shut, push, like basically like shoves her face, breaks her nose, and she falls back. She hits her head. On a fountain. On a fountain. And ki- dies. dies. Yeah. And she's laying on the ground. He's like, oh, you're sleeping. You're taping a nap. And he's just like. It's a nosebleed. It's a nosebleed. Yeah. I had a nosebleed once. Yeah. This okay. scene is so strange. It's so terrible because this is where it. This is the insert stereotypical mental illness yeah. maniac who doesn't know the result of his actions. Scene. Yes. That someone with autism wouldn't know that they just killed somebody. Mm-hmm. And I found that scene to be very offensive personally. Yes. That scene's very offensive. And it comes right after the scene. I forgot about the scene that we skipped. Where he's like talking with Leah about how everyone calls him a loser. And he's like, I'm not a loser. Yeah. He's like, everyone just calls me a loser or a stalker. I'm not a loser. I'm just a fan or whatever he says. Yeah. I just, I would love other people who perhaps are like more educated in this than I am. But like just seeing that scene, I just watched that and I'm like, this is so terrible. Yeah. That he's just like passing this off like that he doesn't have the the strain of thought to know that what he just did was like, if not kill but at least seriously hurt somebody mm-hmm. you know like ugh, i hear that so much anyway let's go let's keep going um yeah it's just a it's very mean-spirited yeah um, so he leaves and we'll never see that maid ever again until the end yes she's <laughs> laying dead in the backyard for two to three days yeah by the end of this movie no one sees her hunter it goes back to his house multiple yes. times it's never notices her which I guess could be a commentary on Hunter Dunbar's character that he never notices a dead maid in his backyard. Yeah. But and also there's the groundskeeper. But whatever. So anyway, what happens after does he go to the street performing thing again after that? Yes, he goes street performing after this. And this is and when he gets bullied again by Todd and Slim. Yes, he gets bullied again and he kinda stands up for himself to This Todd. is where he kinda stands up for himself. Yeah, and then that random 
like security guard is like, yeah, go Moose, you're great. Well, because he chokes Todd. Yeah. And he yells out like, I'm not a loser. Yeah. And he, the, but the music kicks in like this is supposed to be a very suspenseful, yeah. scary scene. You know what? I just realized we got the order wrong. Oh. This happens before he kills the maid. Really? Because after he kills the maid, he goes in the house. Oh, right. So that scene where he stands up for himself and the scary guards, you should stand up for yourself more. And that's when Moose is like, I'm going to go back to the house. That's what inspires him to go there. Oh, okay. And he goes and he accidentally kills the maid. And then he sneaks in the maid left the door open. So he just goes and he's like, I'm in Hunter Dunbar's house. He starts taking pictures with his phone. (laughs) Um, And like just wandering around the house and like taking selfies. And like, he's just amazed by everything. Hunter comes home. With his son. With his son. Travolta like is hiding in a closet room. Yeah. And there's a part where, you know, Hunter Dunbar puts his son to sleep and then he goes into his bedroom and in the background we just see like a shadow run by her. <laughs> like this horror ass tune. Yeah. Charles is hiding in the closet. And Hunter's putting a suit on. You see Charles's eyes like in the back of the closet. That one was pretty like and and if in pure craft of like a t- like, you know, suspend making a moment seem suspenseful. That was mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. I hated that behind that suspense was a, a mentally ill man. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, at least it was a suspenseful moment. But, yeah, he's hiding in his closet. And then he leaves the house? Or... Well, because Hunter Dunbar then goes to sleep. And then... Yeah. Uh, Moose comes out and, like... I don't know. What does he do? He takes... He kisses Hunter Dunbar on the neck because he's sleeping on the... Uh, the, on a chair yeah the and Trolta sits next to him he does like this like rocking back and forth motion um because he's a heavy sleeper yeah. and then he kisses hunter and takes a picture with him and then in the morning when hunter's alarm goes off Trolta runs out the front door and that's that's that so did we establish he takes like some sleep aids or something? Yeah, it's established that Hunter Dunbar takes sleeping pills. Okay, that that answered a few questions yes. for me because there were a lot of moments in the movie where I'm like, why is he not waking yeah. up? Do you, you know what the good version of this movie is at this point? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? We first and foremost got to drop the autism aspect. And basically I feel like Moose needs to be an entitled like brat. Yeah. I think for this movie to work with the concept has Moose needs to be like the guys who are still online yelling about The Last Jedi five years later. Like, he needs that kind of personality. Do you do anything different with Hunter Dunbar? No. No? Hunter Dunbar is the same character. Still an aggro alpha male? He's still, like, just kind of sick of this shit. I think you can maybe make him a little more sympathetic. Recast him as Bruce Willis. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and this movie's act- Dude. he plays himself. Yes. Um Yes. But yeah, you, you see what I mean? Yeah. Like for this movie to work, one of the two guys needs to be actually like you're rooting against them. Yeah. And like it needs to be the main character is just like an ultra fan, entitled guy who like thinks all movies are like made for them like one of the like restore the Snyderverse bros. Well, it's like the price you pay kind of yeah. guy, you know? Yeah. It's like why are you taking photos of my kid on the beach? Like the price you pay. Yeah. Kind of guy. Why are you taking photos of the kid on the beach? Because like you're a celebrity, dude. Right. It's like this is what this is what you pay for. this is what yeah. you pay for. Yes. I think that's who he needs to be. Yeah. Because at this point like I and mean, we've already talked about it. You can't really like you just feel sad for Moose. 
And at the same time, you're like, well, Hunter Dunbar is just an actor. So you don't you aren't really rooting against anyone. But he's an him. asshole actor, Jeff. He's like not. <laughs> he's literally only an asshole to Moose in this movie. And right. maybe his ex-wife. Right. Um, because he cheated on her. But, supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. But you you like, yeah. And so Moose goes home. What happens after this? Um Oh, I know what happens right after this. Because we do need to talk about this scene. Um, is that Moose leaves and Hunter gets into the car with his son and they start driving and he's like, oh, let's put the radio on and Limp Biscuit starts playing on the radio. Oh, yeah. And Hunter Dummer's like, ah, oh, Limp Biscuit. Their stuff was so good back in the day, man, wasn't it? It was the best. It's like, Fred Durst, okay, great. Great, buddy. Thanks for that. Thank you. Uh, but the encounter Moose on the street and Hunter gets out of his car like, hey, you fucking stalker, stay out of my neighborhood. If I see you again, I'm going to kill you. And he beats him, right? He, like, hits him. Yeah, he hits him a few times. Yeah. And he gets in the car and drive off, and Moose is just like, I'm not a stalker! And then we get, like, a montage where Moose... Uh, Meanwhile, Moose kissed him on the neck the, ne- the last night. Yes. Um, I have in my notes written, Moose is in the house, because at one point he does say, Moose is in the house, when he's in his house. Um, I... I <sighs> I don't so, know what happens between now and then the tied-up scene. Leah comes to his house, is to Moose's apartment. Oh, right, and she confronts him. Yeah, and she's like, Moose, you, you're posting all these pictures on your social media of like you were kissing Hunter Dunbar while you're sleeping. What the fuck? This is illegal. This is criminal activities. Yeah. And I'm like, no, criminal activities was a 2016 motion picture. Thank Leah. you. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Thank um, you, Jeff. <laughs> keeping it fresh. Keeping I'm it like, fresh. This is, this is the fanatic, a 2019 movie. Right, yeah. Leah. Um, and he's like, you know, everyone calls me a loser. And he like, kicks her out. Um, and then he decides he's going to do something about it. And so he goes back to Hunter Dumber's house. Hunter's tied up in his bedroom with like tissue stuffed in his mouth. Yeah. And uh, uh, he, he wakes up, he starts screaming. And then the first Moose isn't out right away. Right. Because he comes out with the Jason Voorhees mask. Well, first he, I feel like he comes in before the Jason Voorhees mask. Okay, I think you're probably right. And I think he, he like, uh, Hunter's just like, oh fuck, it's you, and he like kind of starts insulting him. I'm gonna turn you into a walrus. Yes, <laughs> and then That's... Travolta's like, oh, I know what we can do, and he runs out and he puts on a Jason, he puts on a Michael Myers suit and a Jason Voorhees mask, which I guess were he brought from home, and he comes in with a knife and he starts and he does like the stabbing motion on Hunter, but he actually stabs him a well, few times. Well, it's a retractable knife, and he pricks him. I think, it, uh, yeah, he pricks him because he does start bleeding. Well, so retractable knives can sometimes yeah. do that they're not perfectly mm-hmm. safe because yeah he does prick him yeah. a few times and hunter's like yo fucking you fucking stabbed me and he's like oh you were great sir you're better than jamie lee curtis great great um <laughs> and then hunter starts reasoning with moose uh this like, this scene goes back and forth a lot yeah this scene lasts for like seven and a half years it does keep going back and forth well, because like first he starts to reason with him, and then Moose like starts to listen to him. But then he says something that triggers him. Like I think the first one, it's like, "Just don't hurt me." He's like, yeah. "Why do you think I'm gonna hurt you?" Like he gets offended yeah. when he gets like he really sells Moose. He's like, "You hold the power in this relationship," and he yeah. says the line from the beginning there. He's like, "You're a fan. Without you, I'm nothing." Right. And like he starts selling him like, "You're a fan. I'll bring you to like a premiere." He'll let you read a we'll write a script together. Uh, we'll sign you anything for yeah. life or whatever. All that shit. Yeah. And so Moose lets him go, or he unties him, because, you know, I guess he has autism, so he falls for this. 
Um, and then Hunter pulls out a shotgun. From where? From under his bed, I guess. And he blows off Moose's hand. Yeah. It's a pretty gnarly special effect. <laughs> yeah, they go full out with the Yeah, the blood, blood just gore. starts like, it's like, ah! It's like Because I didn't dead. know how far this movie was going to take. Yeah. Like, the special effects in this. And, and like, Moose just are. starts, like, crying and screaming. You actually feel bad for him. Because then, it, now Hunter's in full, like... Because Travolta goes full... I'm trying to think of, like, a way to say this, but he goes, like, full autism portrayal in this scene. Right. Like, full, like... Uh, like, he does, like, that kind of... You know what I mean? I, I, like, I, ra- I, he doesn't play this like he would normally play, like, getting attacked. He plays this like a child. Yeah, being he's attacked, just, he's just very confused and scared. Confused, scared, paralyzed, in and fear. it's just really upsetting to watch this scene. It's really upsetting because Hunter Dunbar, still carrying a shotgun, yeah, is, he starts like torturing. Yeah, he starts torturing him. Yeah, and he like stat he shoots him. Like, does he shoot him again or something? Or he shoots next to him to scare him. Yeah, he shoots next to him, and like his ears start ringing, and Trolls is just screaming and crying like a like a child. And then he puts the the barrel to his chest, and yeah. then. But he's out of ammo. So he tosses the gun and pulls out a knife. Yes. And he stabs him in the eye. And he stabs Moose in the eye, and Moose's eye explodes and, like, starts bleeding aggressively. Yeah. And Moose is still, like, just screaming. It's just, this really unsettled me. It really unsettled me, too. And, like, if you remove the autism aspect of this, I'd probably be like, yeah, watching the scene. Exactly. I would think, like, this is gnarly. Um, Because I love gore effects. They're fun. Yeah. Uh, but just like the autism, it just it just felt so cruel. Like, call the police, bro. Yeah. Like, he's not doing any of that. And then he pokes his eye out, um, and then he, like, randomly gets sympathy for Moose. He randomly grows a conscience. Yeah, and he opens the door and just lets Moose wander out, and Moose just, like, shuffles out the door. Yeah. And then Hunter just sits down. It's very anticlimactic for this whole thing. Right. I'm like, it's not like I want to see more violence. Um, but this is the point of the movie where you establish your the conclusion of your theme. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to say in this movie? This is the scene to do it. Because if, if he kills Moose, then I, there could be something to be said there that, yeah. like, this is the result of fanaticism. Yeah. Or, or if Moose kills Hunter Dunbar, yeah. then maybe this is the result of corrupt yeah. idolatry. Like there's this is the scene there's, to like establish yeah. it, but they don't but do anything. They don't do anything, and then like this whole scene just feels like something we shouldn't be watching. Yes, like, it feels like something that should not have been put to film, shouldn't have been made. And, like this is just this is just like a little too much. Yeah, um, it, it it goes damn near close to like torture porn, yes. hostile territory. To- yes, gets really close to the line. I won't yep. say it. I mean, I, like, it crosses it, but I won't say it goes full Serbian and like, film. What is he, after Moose Lee's, I'm like, what did this movie? What was this movie trying to say? Besides, like, you know, the world just sucks. <laughs> so it seems like that's the final message. Yeah, because then things suck. Because we see Moose wandering on Hollywood Boulevard, and a couple of guys come up to him and they see him all bladed up. It's like, oh my god, the effects look great. And he, they give him money or so, yeah. like as if he's a street Hollywood performer. Yeah. Do you know who one of those guys is who runs up and takes a picture with him? It's Luis, our favorite actor who's been in every single John Travolta movie the past six years. Luis Da Silva. Really? Yeah, it's the guy who's in. Yeah, it was the Charlie and I Am Wrath. He's well, been every movie since. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He's one of those two guys. Uh, I didn't know that. 
So at this point in the movie, I'm just like, I want to get a shower. I felt, me, gr- yeah. I felt gross watching yeah. this. And then Leah is apparently driving right on the yeah, same. She drives street and she time. just sees Moose shuffling like blood dripping from him. Yeah, she pulls over. She grabs him. It's like, like Moose, Moose, I'm gonna get you some help. She carries him away. She takes him to the hospital. Yeah, and then we cut to back to Hunter, Hunter Dunbar at his house. Police lights appear outside. Yeah, and you assume like, oh, he called. Oh, the this cops. is when Leah voiceover comes back. Yes, filling us in on what happened because he's like. You know, even with Moose's hand blown off and his eye stabbed, Moose eventually recovered or whatever. Yeah. He felt fine. He felt fine. You can't say the same for Hunter. Yeah, because then and then we cut to see Hunter in the police slides. He yeah. opens the door slow motion. We get a close-up of this, like, policeman who yeah. we've never seen before. And then the camera pans right and we see the groundskeeper. Because yeah. they found the body of the... Uh, Who's been there uh, for three fucking days. Yeah, the mate. And here's the thing. Clearly, they're arresting because they think he killed her. And he looks bloody. Yeah. He's all bloodied up from when he... They take him to the police station. He can immediately just say, hey, another guy broke into my house last night. If you go to my living bedroom, you'll find the fingers. There's blood all around. I was attacked. I presume this guy killed the maid. Yeah. And they would find that evidence very quickly. Yeah. Like, there would be no question. Right. He can get out of this so easy. Yeah. All I say is, a guy broke in. You will find the blood of him all over my house. Yeah. You will find his fucking fingers with the fingerprints. Yeah. That are probably on her as well. Yeah. So it's not... I, the movie's like, Hunter's going to jail for defending his home? Well, again, like why, why? the movie isn't trying to like make any stance. Like why, what are we... What are, like at the end, are we supposed to be like, yeah, fuck that guy. He what's tortured he gonna, Moose? What's he, right. Is he getting punished for that? Like the or? movie's cruel in showing that, but in the same situation, like it kind of like he's just... Defa- you think I broke into his house and tied him up. And his son's home too. Yes. So like, I'm like, I don't think this guy necessarily did like an act worthy of going to jail in terms of the movie conscience conscience. Yeah. But he does. And we're supposed to be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Um, and then the last thing is Moose, you know, he found a new way to you know, change it. And we get one of those drawings again, and it's him as a pirate with an eye patch over his missing eye and like a hook hand. And then Leah's behind him with like angel wings. It's very strange. I don't get the it. movie ends. That's the fanatic. Yeah, that's the fanatic. Uh, before we go into any post text, Leisha Q. Um, the hair ranking music. The hair ranking. I was curious about this. All right, cue the cue music. The music. This is uh, extremely bad. Hair. <laughs> it's a terrible wig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are looking at this wig right now. It's yeah. So, oh, you added totals, Jeff. What you added totals? I did add to... a total category. Interesting. I told you about this. In- it's interesting. Uh, so this is going to go very. I mean, here's the thing. So sexiness, it's a. It's like a. It's a one. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to do something yeah. here. I'm going to try to just put it here. Wait a minute. What? I'll, I'll bring it to you after. Um, so sexiness is a, a one. 
Yeah, folks, I think I mentioned this an episode or two ago, but Stuart has added subcategories to the hair ranking on our last three episodes. Uh, story aid is... Three. Four. I was going to say a, a, a three, maybe. Yeah. Strictly just because, like, I don't know, the movie wanted you to think he, he was like weird. a mullet. I'm going to put it at a two. Because, like, it, well, they want, all they wanted to do is make you think he's weird. Uh, facial hair, he has scruff, so I'll put a one, I'll put a two there. Uh, two. Uh, some scruff. And then authenticity score, no. Uh, notes, why did I watch this movie? <laughs> Okay, so the fanatic. Um, I'm gonna say uh, this is gonna go. Um, above Devil's Reign, below Killing Season. Above Devil's Reign, below Killing Season. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm oh, you're adding it. Yeah, Stuart's doing the work right now. Yeah, I'm doing the work. Uh, tune in next week, folks, for our recap episode where Stuart is going to read the entire hair ranking for oh you. Oh, my God. We will be going top to bo- bottom to top, the whole hair ranking. All right. I, I'm just going to let you add it because yeah. like, I'm having trouble with okay. your computer, fucking PC user. Because it's a good computer. All right, Whatever. so it's number 60. It's going to be above Devil's Reign, below the number 66. F- below Killing um, Season. Yes. The fanatics. So not the bottom, but it's it's close. It's close to it's the very bottom. Very close. Yeah. Below that, it's all like we don't see his hair. <laughs> you put why did I watch this movie? Yeah. Uh Jeff, any post text to this movie? So this is the this has the lowest box office opening of John Travolta's entire career. Do you yeah. wanna know how much movie this money made? How much did it cost and how much did it make? Uh I cannot find the budget of this movie. But I can tell you, it is one of the most cr- like insane opening weekends of all time. It makes $3,153 in its opening weekend. From 52 theaters. From 52 theaters. And Wait, that, is, that means we can do the math on this. That is the total amount it makes. 3,200. Let's just round up. Divided by 52. $61. How much is a movie ticket? Average movie ticket, do you think? $12. Really? I was going to say $10. $10. That means six people, an average of six people went and saw this movie across 52 theaters in the U.S. It needs to be said that The Fanatic is not on Box Office Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to find, I'm going to, I'm going to find out exactly how much, I'm going to go to IMDb Pro for this. I want to know how much it cost. Okay, $18 million. This movie cost $18 million. $18 million? Yes. What do they spend on this? They shot it in Birmingham, Alabama. At the same time as Trading Paint. Very funny. Or back-to-back. Um, but yeah, this thing, um, it made $3,000. That means it is $17,997,000 off of its fucking budget. Do they do any? And they did marketing. Yeah, and it, it, they did market. They this did marketing. Movie. This movie had posters. Yeah, uh, this movie had an Oscar campaign. No, it fucking did not. Which I want to talk about a lot. Um, so the the website Deadline. It's one of the trades for Hollywood. 
It's one of like the uh, the main websites you go to for movie news. It's where I read the movie American Metal, his new movie. Um, deadline for like a few days um, in 2019, late 2019. After like, you know, because people talked about the Fanatic when it came out. And, like, this is ridiculous. They've kind of forgot about it. And just one day on deadline, like all the ads are just for your consideration. The Fanatic. No. Like all the ads. And we were all just like befuddled by this. And eventually some guy on Twitter was just like, are no one just going to talk about this today? <laughs> uh, people in the biz and all that uh, were just very confused. Was there any like reasoning that came out? Well, they, they wanted paid it was deadline? for your consideration. John Travolta for best actor for the fanatic. Wow. I, I feel like we should sidebar this and talk about his performance. Yes. <sighs> it's, it's hard. He's committed. He's very committed. Like, it's a it's a bit over the top, but I think, like he's not, I'm not really sure he was the right choice to play a mentally challenged person. Uh, absolutely yeah. no. In re- like just for like what he's doing for the part, like it's not terrible. Like I imagine because his son did have autism. Yeah. Like he's pulling a lot from that, and so there's a lot of moments of authenticity that read true in this. Mm-hmm. So I'm I I am not going to use the word subtle. But there's little ticks that he does that feel like thought went into them. Mm-hmm. And then there's just way too many ticks that he does. Yeah. Um, so it's I don't it's not a good performance, but it's also not a bad performance. It's, it's like not lukewarm. It's either, a though. misguided performance. Yes. That's the word I would use. It's a misguided performance. Yeah. It's a performance that should not have happened, but it did. And you just, it's just, you feel a little sour. Yeah. That's not all I can say for performance. And the post text is just that it comes out and it doesn't do anything. Like, it, it makes $3,000. And it's his most recent movie that's been released. Yes. Now, um, I think there's something else we should address about this timeliness, though. Yes. So, this came out August 2019. Yes. Uh, a little less than a year later... Um, John Travolta's um, wife Kelly Preston passes away. We talked about this, didn't we? Um, I believe we've talked about this. We've mentioned it, but I feel like yeah. this is like a moment where we have to really like yeah. establish it in the in the in the uh, in the canon of John Travolta. It would be right after this episode when Kelly Preston yes. dies from cancer. Yes. Um. And Travolta takes a few years off. Yeah. Or not a few years, but he takes some time off. He takes some time To be off. with his family. Yeah. I mean, he, he takes time off because of COVID-19. In, ca- in case you folks hadn't heard of it, there's this little thing that happened in 2020 called COVID-19. Right. Um, but yeah, he takes off. Basically, this movie is kind of what ends his... It kind of puts him in a, uh, a retreat mode for a little bit. Yeah. As with his personal life and dealing with the loss of his wife. He d- the only thing he does really after this is three to tango, which we've already talked about, but would hypothetically be coming out around the same time as this episode. Yeah, which he kind of rebrands rebrands himself and is having fun again. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't get a movie after that, right? So that's what's really interesting. Maybe we should save this. For- should we save this for next week's episode? I think we should. Yeah, we should save this for next week's episode. Yeah. Uh, so, folks, if you want to hear the rest of that thought, uh, tune in next week for uh, our ep- our recap episode. Start. Is there anything else we can really say about this movie? 
Mm, Do you have no, anything else to say? No, I don't think so. Uh, no final thought. I mean, that's yeah. I think I think that's it. Uh, fuck Fred Durst. <laughs> um, fuck Fred Durst. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, join us next yeah. week for our yeah. final recap episode. So, folks, next week you have to look forward to it. it's going to be our um, recap episode on the Travolta exploitation era, which is what we've called this last era. Uh, it's kind of an anticlimactic end to it right now, um, but it's fine. Uh, so that's what the episode will be called. We will also, in that episode, it'll be longer one. We'll be recapping basically our entire show. Because yeah. this this is the last movie we're covering, and next yeah. week is the last episode of Travolting until those other two movies come out, or is it the last episode? Uh, we're gonna talk about that next week. Um, <laughs> serious, give me a look. Right. But no, um, make sure you tune in next week. That's our big kind of finale episode, and uh, you know we're gonna have a lot to talk about. We're gonna rank our favorite Travoltas. We're gonna do the whole hair ranking. It's gonna be a good time. Um, and then you know. Please make sure you like, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Pop to our Reddit, r slash Travolting. You can uh, find us on Twitter and Instagram at TravoltingPod. TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. At Jeff W. Sweeney on Twitter for me. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Stuart on 195. No NAR this week. Uh, and as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum Smith for the theme music that is now taking you out. Have a great week, folks. Uh, see you next week for the finale.